Now, now you ask me that question. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Adam. Do you have a genre that you hate? Uh, I'm not a big fan of country. Boo. <laughs> Boo. I listen to everything. Uh, uh, no. Um, yeah, so... Oh shoot! That really got me off. <laughs> really got me off guard. This is what he. This is what he does, guys. This is what he does. He throws. He throws me off. Welcome, everybody, to episode 32 of Ghost Party Radio, an in-depth and very serious exploration into the world of genre film hosted by two small-time cowards. I'm your host, Trevor Dillon, and allow me to introduce my co-host, Vin Unleaded. It's Adam Cervantes Wagner. Trevor, I am wearing the teeniest, tiniest goggles I could find for this episode. I'm ready. <laughs> yes, I'm so, so excited to be here with family talking about a Vin Diesel uh, movie. Already, huh? With this. <laughs> <laughs> gotta talk about it. It's in the zeitgeist. I gotta stay hip. Uh, uh, Adam, episode 32, my favorite number. That I. What is this? It, you know this is my favorite number. No, for real. It's my favorite number. I wore this number, uh, in, uh, <laughs> speaking of trying to stay cool, I wore this number in baseball in high school, 32. Okay, there, look, fans of the show know. We've discussed this on air before. Yours is 23 minus 32. Yeah, I mean, my number was 23 for a long time until like, I got older and was like, wait, that's LeBron. was LeBron's number and Michael Jordan's number. Like, it can't be my favorite number. So I switched to 32. Uh-huh. You stole it from me, you mean. Uh, classic film talk. All right, let's get our guests in here so we can talk about this quote-unquote movie. <laughs> they uh, are uh, friends of mine, of course, uh, and also some uh, filmmakers based out of the Vermont area. Please welcome to the show Sarah Wisner and Sean Temple. Hello. Welcome to the party, you two. Hello. Thank you for having us. Hi. <laughs> Um, so we met a, a while back uh, uh, while um, well, one of my short films, I don't know if it was The Foxwood or The Vicious, was on uh, the festival circuit with uh, your excellent short film, Water Horse. Um, can you, I mean, I guess we'll get to the plugs later, but uh, this is how I know you. Can you talk about maybe um, Water Horse and what you've been working on since then and what you're working on now? Sure. Um, Water Horse is a film that we made a couple years ago now. Um, we shot it here in Vermont. It's a kind of eight minute short film atmospheric ambiguous it's based on a, a nightmare horror. that sarah had um so it's very surreal has lots of dream logic um, lots of weirdness which is kind of our brand <laughs> well, <laughs> at least it became brand. our brand since then. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and so since then we we made another short film that um has been on the circuit this past year yes. has been a very strange year to um, be showing at festivals virtually and, and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. That's kind of what we've been up to. And, and, and that film is called Thorns, correct? Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and we so, moved back to Vermont um, at the end of last year. Uh, we were in L.A. Yeah. Well, both films are great. I've seen them. Uh, yeah, of course, uh, Water Horse uh, were described as a New England nightmare. Uh, that I really, really love. And then Thorns, obviously, like you said, a little more um, grounded. I, I love that one as well. I can't wait to see what you have coming up next. Uh, so you obviously, as filmmakers, bounce genre to genre. You, you know, you stay within the same, I would say, umbrella, but definitely within that umbrella, there are always subgenres. Mm -hmm. Between the two of you, what would you say is your favorite genre of cinema overall? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely hard to, you know, key in on one. There is kind of the um, umbrella of, like, genre, genre, quote, unquote. So, you know, like horror and, and thriller and, and science fiction and all those kinds of things. And then especially movies that combine them, which I think Pitch Black definitely does. And some of the other movies we're considering doing for this also does, like, you know, The Thing or, or something like that. On the other end of the spectrum, I'm also very into... Um, kind of like kitchen sink social realist dramas Um, just like really well done depictions of people in in life I suppose Um, just recent examples like the writer or um, Roma or something Um, and I know my favorite movie is children of men which is a movie that kind of combines all those things so yeah I mean you're you're, you're, now you're now you're talking my language children of men um, yeah it's my favorite movie I think of the of the new millennium you know Uh, Mm -hmm. New Millennium, uh, Pitch Black would actually uh, would make that cut off. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Sarah, what, what would you what would you say your favorite genre is if, if you had to pick one? <laughs> Sean didn't have to pick one. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah. fair. <laughs> My dichotomy. Um, yeah, uh, I I guess similar similar to Sean um, in that I kind of like everything, pretty much anything that fits under the umbrella of genre so um i kind of describe it as as like speculative works like anything that kind of pulls back the veil a little bit and and lets us kind of imagine there's more to the world than what we can see and feel that that's kind of anything that that does that well is kind of my main flavor um but i i like everything which is why i struggle with rating things because i kind of i tend to gravitate towards the the strengths in a given piece and 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 i'm pretty forgiving to many weaknesses and so i i just try to find um what i enjoy in in just about anything so i I have a lot of i don't believe in the phrase guilty pleasure if if that makes sense it's like if it's pleasure then it's pleasure and you don't have to feel guilt about it well listen adam uh i was just gonna say on this show uh they'll learn very quickly that we do we do tend to focus on the positive in movies i know adam at the beginning of this show you know 30 some episodes ago would kind of take the contrary opinion on a lot of stuff. But I think even he's come around to being like, <laughs> like, cause we just watched deep rising. Right. And I felt bad because I, I did not like that film. Like that was one of the few <laughs> movies we've watched where I didn't like it. But uh, I try, I, I basically said to our, our awesome guest Sterling from um, horrible imaginings and Adam, I said, listen, I'm gonna. We're not gonna talk about the stuff I didn't like about this movie because you two clearly liked it. Let's just talk about the stuff that I liked. Mm-hmm. So we definitely can take that approach on this episode. Um, well, and, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I saw a tweet recently that was like, "Yes, of course I watch movies I don't like, but I don't tweet about those movies. Like, why would yeah. I do that?" Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I totally, I, I'm, I'm with you there on that overall attitude. Um, but on this genre, we're speaking about creature features. So um, what's your history with creature features on film? And do you have any favorites uh, possibly other than the movie we're talking about today? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I know what my favorite is. Well, I I, I actually, now that I really think about it, and it's so obvious now that it's, I just never necessarily put the, the language to it, but I would say creature features are really what got me into to movies. Right. Because, you know, Jurassic Park when I was very young was like one of my first movie memories Mm -hmm. so Jurassic Park uh, Jaws like just Mm -hmm. that Spielberg kind of back to back when I was a kid I remember my parents showing me that I 
Godzilla. And then, yes, I was going to get to Godzilla. Godzilla was a huge part of, of my childhood. For sure. Um, so I've always loved them. I was just obsessed with dinosaurs as a kid. So I think I've just, was, it just like kind of grew into an obsession with like creature monster movies or just monsters in general, Bigfoot, aliens, paranormal kind of monsters I've always been really, really, really into. Um, and, and, you know, that kind of kept going as I got older, as like to 10, uh, like around 10, I remember like Deep Blue Sea came out and like Placid, um, Lake Placid was one we, we considered doing for this um it's, it just never really stopped <laughs> yeah i mean the new england area as uh, as known as, are they known for cryptids up there like kind of like uh the beasts up there do, do you have like a favorite local i don't know i guess i'm thinking of new jersey actually not new england but uh, new jersey Devil. Uh, yeah the new jersey devil is what i was thinking of yeah. but um you know bigfoot uh, i don't know where he's supposed to be roaming around but i could see that happening out in like vermont or something um the coast of mesa yeah, Coast Mesa, California, right? We we have our own Loch Ness monster um, mm. called Champ in Lake Champlain. Um, it's actually a big reason we we wanted to make Water Horse in in Vermont and explicitly at Lake Champlain because um, Water Horses are not really cryptids, but they're like Scottish folklore of these right. shape shifting creatures that come out of lakes and try to trick people into coming into the water and drowning with them so we had our own wow version of that in vermont so it just in the sarah's nightmare took place there and stuff so it just made sense to kind of incorporate that into the movie even though most people wouldn't understand yeah why. and champ champ is generally understood to be a friendly lake monster <laughs> nothing like <laughs> not really in our sinister, movie. but yeah definitely the, the underlying connection is there for sure that's nice um yeah. adam uh you heard two movies that sean mentioned um tell our guests what two movies i've come to wrestle with being just my favorite movies of all time on this podcast i've, I've just like basically given up on trying to be highfalutin and now these are just my two favorite movies oh yeah uh hubie halloween and deep rising <laughs> <laughs> no it's uh jurassic park and jaws like i just yeah. was like like you're like i grew up watching you know jurassic park and, jaws, and i'm just like i don't think i ever left it i never I, you know what i mean like i think i still watch these movies and it doesn't hurt that they're made by like an american master so like of course they hold up extremely well but mm -hmm. i've just given up on being like oh my favorite movie is like well i just have to be like true to myself and be like jaws and jurassic park the two creature features that spielberg directed you know um, but yes, yeah, Sarah, what's your history with creature features? Do you have any favorites? Um, yeah, I, I have, um, a similar fondness for, for those films and for like the thing and, and kind of all the classics alien. Um, but if, if I'm being, if I'm going to be as honest as you, Trevor, um, my favorite creature feature is reign of fire. Nice. <laughs> like nice. For sure, by far. And I think it's because it does incorporate some of the elements that we were discussing before. It's like it's this this little community that these people have created. It's the world building in that film is actually really good. And that and they incorporate all of the like oh like like the stuff where they're reenacting Star Wars for the kids. Um it's, it just, it feels grounded. It feels realistic. It feels like they have these community ties and then also there are dragons. And so what's not to love about that? Adam, have you seen Raider Fire? No, I haven't. I've only heard rumors and I would love to. <laughs> uh, I didn't even think about that for this. I forgot <laughs> yeah. about it. It's I, I honestly, I didn't suggest it because it is 
um, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to examine it too closely. You know, it's, it's too close to my heart. I just want yeah. to let it stay there and, and feel good about it. <laughs> That's fair. Um, Adam, do you want to hit them with the hard question that I didn't send on the rubric? Yeah, Uh-oh. here we go. It's time for the gotcha portion of our podcast. Sarah and Sean, as you know, monsters gotta eat. What is your favorite <laughs> movie snack? <laughs> uh oh, they're sweating big time. <laughs> oh, what a gotcha. Do you um, have something off the top of your head? I mean, it's so boring, though. I don't know. What you're... Popcorn. Oh, gosh. I, wow, I completely interpreted that question differently. <laughs> what did you think they were asking? Uh, oh, you, you thought it was what's your favorite snack from a movie? That's what Sarah thought. No, no, no. Oh, no, wait. I thought you meant like like Lambus bread from like Lord of the Rings. My, right? my, my, the I thought you meant like my favorite moment of someone getting eaten in a movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, you could say it. You could go with that. Yeah, yeah. Let's that's, hear it. That's hard, but the first thing that popped into my head is the guy in Jurassic Park yeah. that gets eaten off the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> that's the first thing that popped into my head. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Mine would probably be, uh, it hasn't come out yet, but uh, from if the rumors are true from Annette. Oh jeez! <laughs> Go wait, listen. We're talking about Jurassic Park and, and and Jaws here. We don't need to bring up Leo's cracks films, new new movies. Um, yeah, so that's really funny. So uh, Sarah's I was answer just was telling Sarah about that yesterday. I mean, obviously it was yesterday. Yeah. when the movie premiered. Right. <laughs> Sarah's answer was popcorn, and Sean's answer was the guy who gets eaten off the toilet in Jurassic Park. Writing yeah. that down. Yep. <laughs> um. I'm okay. not a big uh, movie theater snack eater. Yeah. I don't really like popcorn. Our local theater puts uh, real butter and nutritional yeast on their popcorn. And that oh. was always my favorite. It's the, the weird Vermont favorite. I, nice. I was just talking about different like traditions of popcorn around. Like when I went to Utah, they like insisted on putting uh, butter on the bottom of the bag butter in the middle of the bag and butter on top of the bag and i was like Ugh, i don't really even want butter but okay <laughs> <laughs> well i mean if you're gonna have butter it, it makes sense to have it evenly spaced throughout but on the bottom mm-hmm. i i don't know about that just that just seems soggy there, yeah. yeah is there is there a movie uh, where we see someone eating popcorn um, I don't know. I don't I'm know, sure there's so many movies. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. I don't know, like Amelie. Amelie, did she oh, grab yeah. some popcorn? Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Speaking we'll, of we'll... Annette. <laughs> yeah, the same thing, right? He thinks all he thinks all French movies are are made by the same person, and not yeah. all the same. Right. Um, okay, let's move on to the movie that we're talking about today. Um, of course, you sent me a bunch of options, and I think eventually y'all settled on Pitch Black from the year 2000. Um, 7.1 rating on IMDb, which is uh, pretty high. Uh, we'll get into whether uh, Adam thinks that's too high or not. But um, <laughs> the tagline is, is pretty good. We've had some really good taglines in this Creature Feature series. It's fight evil with evil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, the film is described as an action horror sci-fi. Creature Feature, not really a, a, a genre that they put on IMDb. But mm-hmm. it's about a commercial transport ship and its crew who are marooned. I almost read that moron, Adam. <laughs> mar- marooned on a planet full of bloodthirsty creatures that can only come out to feast at night. But then they learn that a month-long eclipse is about to occur. This is directed by David Toohey. Um, who is mostly known for the Riddick movies. He also directed a thriller with Mia Jovovich and Steve Zahn called uh, A Perfect Getaway, if you guys are familiar with that one. Um, we'll start here. Uh, why this movie? 
for me, it's kind of one of my old, old favorites. Um, it's definitely the kind of movie that I would have watched around that time as a kid um, and enjoyed greatly. Um, so I think, yeah, it came down to kind of a nostalgia element for me. What about you, Sean? Yeah, definitely something similar. It was definitely, I think, one of, like, if that came out in 2000, would have been like 12. I, I definitely feel like it was one of the movies that me and my friends just watched over and, and over and over again right. um, in that period of time. And I think probably because it hint, it was just doing a, a lot of the things we were into at the time, science fiction, Vin Diesel and Fast and the Furious. <laughs> it probably was part of that, um, you know, gore. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not as much as I remembered, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I know that we also kind of actively wanted to avoid uh, talking about any, like, classic, classic masterpiece types of movies. So we, we weren't really considering anything like The Thing or, or Jurassic Park or, or Jaws or anything like that. Because who are we to talk about those masterpieces? That's how we felt. <laughs> so. that we had, a, we had a Craig Hamill on from Secret Movie Club, which is like my favorite um, um, kind of I, I don't even know what you'd call them. It's not not technically a movie theater in LA, but my favorite programming that goes around yeah, LA. Yeah. And he wanted to discuss aliens. And I thought the same thing of like, whoa, like I don't know if I can handle talking about <laughs> aliens. Um, but uh, we, we got through it. So I, I like your, your process of bringing in a movie here that we can kind of like maybe introduce to people who haven't even seen it. Because mm -hmm. yeah. this is a movie that, you know, came out. It had a decent budget. I know that I think they shot it in Australia. It cost, I think, 25 million. I think worldwide it made 50 million. So, uh, you know, it, I don't know if, how much if it made barely enough money obviously it spawned quote-unquote two sequels so it had to have made a little bit of money um but well it spawned more than that in terms of sequels and trevor i think we're gonna have to bust out the xbox 360 pretty soon because there's a number of uh video game sequels right Ooh, i didn't know that yeah uh, it, uh by the way adam is our video game correspondent on the show um, but this was one year, so we have to talk about the Vin Diesel part of it, right? Let's just let's just go. What we do now is we just kind of op have an open conversation about the movie. I don't, I don't walk through the plot of the movie or anything. We just kind of contextualize it. Or did either of you see this movie in the theater? I don't think so. No. I don't remember seeing it in the theater. I didn't see it in the theater. This was, yeah, this is a rental for me. This is like definitely yeah. go to. I had a I had a really cool uh, DVD box. Picked it up, watched it. I remember really, really enjoying it. Adam, do you, what do you have a history with this movie, or was this a first time watch for you? No, yeah, I saw it in the theater. Um, I was about five years old. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> um, yeah, no history about it. I've obviously heard of of Riddick, and mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to see what the deal is with his chronicles. And now, <laughs> now we're immersed here, and I'm excited uh, to talk about it. And I'm, I won't give it away yet. How I'm feeling about it. More than any movie we've watched on the 32 episodes of this um, podcast, this is a, like a full star maker movie, it feels like. Like, mm -hmm. like when you watch it, I remember watching it the first time, and I, I thought Riddick had a much, much, much smaller role than when I watched it this time. And it's like he's fully first build in the movie. Like, Vin Diesel's <laughs> name is first when it comes up, because he had probably been in some stuff before that. But... Um, he's good in this movie like i get it like i understand why they'd be like we need to see more of this character unfortunately like 
I don't know if y'all agree. It's like you have an interesting character in this movie, and it's like the last thing I want personally actually is to know more about this character. Yeah. But hundred uh, <laughs> percent, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it's like oh okay, I get why you would think that, and I don't think that worked out. Like I, I'm not gonna look up the box office to Chronicles of Riddick, but I'm pretty sure that didn't work out too well. I was pretty uh, surprised to see that there's two extra Riddick movies. I figure it's just the first. I, it was probably one of those things where like they were already making it. It was too late. They put. <laughs> well, I'd, it's been a long time since I've seen the sequels and I'm not I even sure if I saw both, but it went in a very kind of space opera mm-hmm. direction. It's like much, much. Uh, like melodramatic. Isn't yeah. It? And like there's political elements. And... Really? Yeah. And, and I think I, I might I be wrong Kish about Black this. I but... Monster, so I was yeah. never even at all interested yeah. in the sequel. Well, uh, my my understanding, and I, I might be wrong, um, was that it was it it came from Vin Diesel's interest in mm. expanding on the character and and leaning into like the mythology of of who this guy was, um, which is not something that this film does at all. He's basically just a scary convict right. archetype. They they um, hint at stuff. Yeah, as much as like murder movie would do. They hint yeah. at murder. Yeah, that. <laughs> not not like space <laughs> involvement in in like politics of the universe. You know, it's, that's not what Riddick is in Pitch Black. Well, Vin is like notoriously a big nerd, right? He's a big yes. uh, Dungeons and Dragons guy, so he probably rolled twenty on Riddick and was like, "Yeah, let's keep going." Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure Fast and Furious comes out as a huge hit and then he's able because he's not in Too Fast, Too Furious. I'm sorry we have to get into this. I, I, I do apologize. Um, but he's not in Too Fast, Too Furious because he, he chooses to do Triple X, which makes a ton of money. And is, I know we don't like to be negative, but it's a bad movie. And then he basically gets to make whatever he wants. So he makes Chronicles of Riddick in 2004, which, like you mentioned, is this huge, sprawling, expensive space opera. And it doesn't do well. And then I, I had an inkling that the next one, which is just called Riddick, that came out nine years later. That came out in 2013. And that actually goes back more to the roots of Pitch Black. That is a much smaller budgeted movie. Uh, the plot for that one is Left for Dead on a Sun Scorched Planet. Riddick finds himself up against an alien race of predators. So it's very, no. yeah, it's no. very similar. Yeah. I, don't I think I saw that one. Yeah, I didn't see it either, but I do remember it feeling much smaller than Chronicles of Riddick for, you know, for good reason. Um, because again, then, then, uh, uh, Vin Diesel goes back, makes, I'm, I'm assuming fast five, fast six, fast seven, <laughs> and then can make whatever he wants at universal. So what he wants to make it as Adam mentioned it as a huge nerd is he's like, I want to make my third Riddick movie. And it's like, <laughs> you know, the studio can't say no, but they can green light a $50 million movie because then Vin says, then I'll come back for fast eight, fast nine, but you know, so, um, yeah, I just, we'll, we'll stop with the, with the Vin Diesel stuff here, but, um, overall I, I i get it you know what i mean like i watched the movie and i'm like he's pretty i mean the eyes everything i really liked it well I, I will say one more thing about vin diesel which is that because of this movie i bought a dvd of triple x on my way home at a gas station on my way Whoa. home wow from sleepaway camp because i was a fan of his so, <laughs> because of this movie yeah, I think when I was like a, when I was an eleven year old boy seeing Triple X, I was like, "This is awesome." But That's if I rewatched it, I would be like, "Oh no!" This is garbage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Like not only that, but probably like wildly problematic. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm Allie sure. Trevor, you, you still haven't gotten rid of the tattoo on the back of your neck, right? <laughs> well, you know they made a sequel to that movie as well, and it like it did like pretty well financially. He's smart because he gets like and this movie has a very diverse cast as well. Um he he's smart because he'll he'll he does it in the Fast and Furious movies too. His his uh to his credit his casts are extremely diverse like they're very and that's why his movies do so well in the international markets and stuff like that. So, Vin Diesel is like the Riddick of real life. Like he's kind of an enigma. Like people think that they get it and they throw him in all these memes and stuff. But it's like I don't think people get Vin Diesel. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm still I'm still trying to figure him out myself. Right. The Rock doesn't get him. That's for sure. <laughs> But, but I think that's... all you need to understand Vin Diesel is to follow him on Instagram. Oh, see, I don't do that. Uh, well, <laughs> I do not either. You'll have to talk a little more about well, that. Well, I will tell you, it involves like sparkly memes of like puppies and like singing <laughs> R and B, and it's it's delightful. That he, he is a wonderful, sweet human being. <laughs> Adam like get his start by directing a short film that he stars in where he's like a singer or something like oh. nothing like what he ended up being like yeah. it's like what got him in Saving Private Ryan or something yeah. I might he's, be totally he's wrong pretty, he's a pretty artsy artsy sensitive guy yeah <laughs> biggest muscles you can ever imagine <laughs> really just like me <laughs> Adam says, like, oh, uh, The Rock doesn't get him. You know, that's why, uh, that's what I mean is, like, if you're going to put The Rock next to Vin Diesel, like, I get The Rock. You know what I mean? Like, I know who The Rock is. Like, I don't follow him on Instagram, but if I did, I think he'd be less of an enigma than Vin Diesel still content. Because you just said what, what, like, Vin Diesel's interests are, and I'm still confused. So, um, (laughs) you know, I find him to be much more interesting. Uh, Well, let's talk about the movie. (laughs) um well it's directed by david tui and i want to just ask uh uh, sarah and sean do you uh do you like the movie alien 3 we um actually watched it for the first time semi-recently yeah Mm. um i really liked it when it was starting and then it just was so like dour and depressing Mm. Mm -mm. it just like kind of got overwhelming for me and i actually don't even remember it that well um, I think we watched like the director's cut or, or something, so it was mm-hmm. like the longer, even more dour version. <laughs> and then, which also has you know like the unfinished uh-huh. like alien running around thing, which was yeah, <laughs> so totally. totally. um, yeah, like the main thing I really remember. Yeah, the, I mean there are things there. It had aspects that I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, that was Sarah completely avoiding talking about what she was. About. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Um, the reason I bring it up is because this movie really obviously – it's not just a random. It really reminded me of Alien 3, and it's kind of like – it kind of had a mean a mean streak to it, and I, I hadn't mm-hmm. seen that in a movie, and it's nothing like Alien 3. Like, let's get that – like, Alien 3 is like true nihilism um, from <laughs> David Fincher. But um, then I looked into it, and it turns out that David Tui had a very early draft of Alien 3 that got oh. rejected and basically became this movie. So that I I found the See, parallels to be surprise me yeah that doesn't surprise me at all yeah it's it, it's it's interesting it's like uh it's it's similar right like crews kind of on these planets with no weapons against these horrible creatures um Adam do you have any Alien Three uh, I mean it was just very odd because this happens on this podcast a lot where a movie will remind me of another movie and then we'll look up some trivia and be like oh well this person like got you know had an early draft of this other movie that it reminded me of uh, what do you think of Alien Three Adam no opinion. <laughs> you son of a bitch. 
<laughs> all right, all right. We just watched Alien, so I was, I was curious if you uh, if you got interested in watching the other movies, but clearly you didn't. Um, okay, so Adam, start us off. What was your favorite element of Pitch Black? I know you're not. I know you're keeping the lid on what you thought of this movie, but we have to be positive up front. What was your favorite right. part of the movie? You know, I like the idea of this being a superhero movie, and the superhero's powers are that he can see in the dark. I mean, it, that... it seems to it seems to fit right into the plot, doesn't it? Right. Um, yeah, it's perfect. Uh, I think I really like the sort of gusto in the direction here. It's really, it's really kind of nineties, even though it's past nineties at this exactly, point. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and the the kind of way that they colorize the whole film and everything, I, I like that. You know, it was, I like the movie Push. You know, the movie Push. Mm-hmm. Like it, movies like that, I think that are not very good at all, but are just like really kind of heavy in the feelings and uh but still sci-fi and still kind of like low budget uh and dedicated to the idea of something i like that kind of thing so we'll yeah we'll start here we'll talk about the visual look of the movie which you know when i saw the movie in 2001 or 2002 uh i didn't notice obviously it's been 20 years since then and I watched this now, and I was I kept typing in David Tui, music video director, David Tui, uh, <laughs> '90s music videos, and he, I couldn't find anything. And like I was like, he had to have directed like new metal music videos around this time, right? Um, uh, the palette was what it, the palette was. I'll I'll say this: I haven't seen anything really like it. Like you know what I mean? Like uh, like uh-huh. in terms of like the way that he made the planet look and stuff like that, especially on like a lower budget. Um, Sean and Sarah, what did you think of just the overall visual style of the movie? I'll say I'll say first that like you, I didn't remember that. Um, I also, you know, in all honesty, at that point in my life was was probably still renting full screen DVDs. So old young Sean probably didn't even come close to watching it in the correct asset ratio and missed probably a bunch of stuff in the sides. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I definitely didn't remember the color. And I, before we watched it, I kind of silently watched the trailer. And I was like, oh, <laughs> we're going to be in for something at least interesting <laughs> visually because you, you quickly see all that, that color. And then, you know, digital cinematography wasn't as big really at all yet. So it's like it's grainy and it, it feels different than I feel like if this movie was made right now would feel. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like we didn't notice it when we watched it the first time because it's possible just movies looked like that around that time. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if it, movies I looked don't know like that. At, at that time, I. And, and I, I would say still today, um, I like movies that have a strong aesthetic. Yes. It's like they, they go for it and, and, and they're trying something. So, so I can appreciate that. And, and I, I did remember that it had a very specific look. And mm-hmm. I think the, the thing that I remembered the most is, is how it looks when they, when they first land and everything is right. so overexposed and, and and washed out like the sun is just too bright um no minority reported that that's like i don't yeah. really remember very many movies that do that overexposed kind of kind of look feel and vibe yeah, yeah. um yeah i i can't name a list off the top of my head but i i did have a fondness for for movies that that tried a look that was so distinctive and and it yeah. definitely fit into that. It's gonna sound for me. like sacrilege. What? <laughs> but it's like I feel like the movie I can think of that actually felt the most like how it looks is like Fury Road. 
with like yeah. no, really I d- pushing I don't that saturation of, of the colors and there's definitely a moment when they're like on the the vehicle driving and mm-hmm. like this feels like mad max <laughs> yep yeah absolutely it, yeah it doesn't hurt that they shot it in australia right yeah. so it all, yeah. all kind of comes together speaking of visuals uh was was riddick was vin diesel in a tank top and little tiny goggles uh cool back then <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't cool know. back then, it's definitely cool now. <laughs> sure, yeah. They picked I feel like, like the. It was cool. I feel yeah, like it's. It not... kind of has like a steampunk. Yeah, it's element. like a, I'm sure that's like a Matrix kind of mm-hmm. um, not reference, but influence kind of. Yeah. Right. Pushing in, into that. Because um, every time he put on those goggles, I was like, oh. <laughs> I, I thought that was hilarious. Um, one of my favorite parts of the, of the movie and a part that I would 100% forgot about was the like the big creature graveyard with the huge oh, so good. skeletons. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I really bring that up. I just li- really liked that. It was kind of surprising yeah. on, on the on the rewatch. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you when it starts, you're like, oh, this is like a sci-fi movie level budget. And then you go set to set to set to set. And you're like, oh, no, there's some money they put into this movie. And like a lot of the stuff does look really good. I have written down in my notes that one hour into the movie, exactly one hour, it goes pitch black is when the eclipse start. So you know that's like, oh, that now we're going to start seeing the creatures and stuff. I think the movie visually looks really good from there on out. You get some stuff in there that kind of looks like we had mentioned, or maybe talking about this movie, uh, The Descent, um, kind of when they're underground, it kind of looks great. And then when it starts raining, I think the movie looks really, really good from there on out. It was just kind of when they landed on the planet and were, were marooned and, ha- you know, kind of looking out into the heat of the desert and stuff. That was when I thought it had like a really distinct, interesting palette. And then, but then, you know, I, I texted Adam, um, you know, I don't know, again, I don't know what he thought of this movie cause he keeps, he's weird like that. <laughs> he doesn't say it up top, but I thought the third act of this movie was really great. I thought it was paced, uh, really, really well. Uh, I thought it was really intense. One thing that, um, uh, that I have written down is that this movie is like not afraid to like kill kids which i was like shocked by you know what i mean like yeah, i thought that was really part. crazy i, I yeah, got yeah. a little uh spoiled even though i know i've seen it but i was like i just searched pitch black on twitter to like just yeah. go through and see what people i follow if they because i know like in general it's kind of thought about well i think and kind mm-hmm. of has cult status for a lot of people um and yeah someone mentioned its willingness to just kill kids and i was like oh i didn't remember that at all oh really and, I, and the kid yeah so, so that was just maybe a little happy i had a little bit of warning i guess because you know not many movies really that was really surprising i thought especially because it kind of leads it adds to riddick as a character who sort of let that happen i was expecting him to come out and save the kid but there's nope riddick was on his own at that point yeah uh, this the one thing I remember with the, with the movie is the just the massive massive gut punch at the end um, of I one of our that part. oh <laughs> it is I'm so shocking. glad I forgot yeah it's cinematic but it like it's not it, it's it's not too cinematic and it's just like she gone and you're like whoa that's <laughs> yeah. crazy you're like yeah, mm-hmm. we, we we can talk about spoilers on this but we watched the mist for this uh, um for this mm-hmm. series and uh, that I've one obviously. Sarah hasn't seen it. Whoa, uh, 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 that's a New England uh, nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> that one. You ever watched The Mist? If, if I did, it was long enough ago that I don't really remember it. Yeah, it's very like Twilight Zone meets like mm-hmm. actual creature feature. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, give it a go. <laughs> Let us know what you think of it. Um, Trevor's but, catchphrase. Yeah, give it a go. Um, Adam, stop yes. being a coward. Say it. 
What did you think of this movie? Say what? What movie? The Mist? I thought it was all right. No. <laughs> um, that gut punch really did get me also. I was expecting, yeah. again, for Riddick to go out there and, and try to get her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it was done. He let well, it go. Well, he he does. He hears her screaming and goes. like He has a pretty good arc where it's like, oh, Riddick's changed. And then he tries to go save her. And it's like, it doesn't matter. It's like... What is this movie? It's like that's so dark and mean. Like at the end of the movie, but yeah. um, there's two. Like <laughs> yeah, Tui. There's two moments at the end where she gets to the um, to the spaceship. I guess I don't know. <laughs> and she turns around and decides to make to like help people twice. It happens two times, and Riddick even says like, "Would you die for them?" And he's like, she, "Yeah, yes, I would," and stuff like that. I think all that Not stuff is really. Me. Yeah, yeah. What a weird, what a weird line. <laughs> yeah, the, and the line. I think the line is okay. I think the delivery is off somehow. Yeah, it's like not for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that that's uh, that's Adam's. I have a feeling that's Adam's thoughts on this movie. Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> you you know what line I really did like delivery wise uh, when Riddick says uh, looks clear. And, and... <laughs> The second time, you know, looks clear. Well, how does it look now? Looks clear. (laughs) It feels so genuine and like tongue in cheek. I um, I tried doing research. And again, sorry, Sarah and John, but it's like we we really do hop around a lot of this. But um, I tried doing research, like I mentioned, about the director, David Toohey. And like he has the most, for someone who's made like five major motion pictures, he has the least Wikipedia page I've ever seen. Like he he has, he must be like a intensely private person or something or, um, but I was looking into like, why are the, why is this movie so dark and so mean and stuff like that? And I couldn't find anything about his life or anything. So I'm just like, Hey, this is just what this guy digs. And I, I don't know. I, I appreciate it. I guess when it gets dark and the monsters come in and how you kind of felt like from there, like the movie really like propelled forward and, yeah. and all this kind of stuff, like visually. And then just like actually how it all moves. Um, that's like the part that I remembered the most Yeah, as a kid. Um, I definitely like really honed in on all that monster stuff and the kills and that's all the, and that's like the stuff I really remembered and I was definitely very surprised how long it held off yeah on that kind of stuff on on the rewatch. I was also honestly kind of surprised how much I liked the the stuff before all the monsters showed up mm-hmm. and I was a little honestly let down a little like my nostalgia and memory of the the second half was stronger than what the movie I think actually really was like i said i remembered it being more like gory and, <laughs> and violent and stuff well yeah so there's one the opening is actually pretty visually interesting um we we're hot off the uh the space opera season of our podcast and that yeah. reminded me of that a lot um but the <laughs> the shot that drew me in to this movie was the one where um i think they're the we don't get too much of riddick uh, but they're talking about him and they're worried and they specifically bring up his name like, hey, we got to look out for Riddick or whatever. And then the camera like moves up and zooms in and Riddick is like chilling, drinking a pina colada under an yeah. umbrella. <laughs> oh, man. We we definitely lost it in that moment. That was so funny. That's that was such a cool. Zoomed. He's like a Bugs Bunny or something. Yeah. yeah. I love that part. Yeah, it's so good. It feels almost out of place, too, for the movie. Yeah. It has like a, it's so serious sometimes, and then it has like these that it does it feel like Bugs Bunny. It's such yeah. a good mm-hmm. way of describing that, or the 
the line you said before about mm-hmm. looking clear or like when they're going to leave and they're like just leave him and he hops in the <laughs> into the vehicle and he's all freaked out <laughs> or when the 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 little kid is like looking at him when they're driving and he like points and like the bone almost takes everyone out <laughs> um okay what let's just do it let's just move to the rating system because we can continue talking about the movie through the rating system sure. uh because i noticed we haven't really talked about the creatures in this movie which is really <laughs> insane um this, speaking of alien and alien 3 they do uh, have quite a similarity but um, okay, so what we're going to do here is we're going to go through five categories, and um, y'all are going to, uh, if you could, give me an aggregate score, one through ten, on these categories. Uh, and we'll start with y'all, and then typically we go to Adam and then myself. Uh, so category number one, how cool are the monsters' origins in this movie, or the creatures' origins in this movie? Or do we think there's any cool lore behind the the reasoning for them? Here's the thing. I, I, have, two, I have two thoughts. My first thought is... Um that I think they do have an interesting lore, I guess, um, with the kind of cyclical nature of the of the eclipse coming around once every 22 years and, and how, so it's almost like, like a cicada situation. Uh, setting that aside, I have a theory. I have a theory about the film. Um, awesome. And, and my theory is that even though it is a creature feature, quote unquote, with the monsters attacking them. I think that Riddick is the creature. No. <laughs> I think he's the the real like monster of the film right. because he's the one that they're scared of. He's the one that um, they don't know what to what he's gonna do. Um, he does have the mysterious dark origin that we're not sure of, mm-hmm. um, and. And he poses a real threat to their survival. And, and you don't know if he's going to do the right thing or if he's going to, you know, what what is the right thing for him? Um, and so that's that's my theory. So if if Riddick, if, if you can accept my theory. Yes, I was going to say, Adam, are we accepting this or are you hopping in and, and rejecting this? You know what? I'll accept theories. I love it, too. I like it a lot. Let's do it. Then I I would give Riddick a ten out of ten. Yeah, <laughs> I like how you keep calling it Riddick. Uh, Sean, do you do you agree with that ten out of ten? Um, yeah, I I, I do want to actually talk about the monsters a little bit more yeah, yeah, before yeah. getting into a rating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I think there is an argument. Uh, I I think you could easily argue that the monsters in this movie are super boring and bland <laughs> while like, simultaneously arguing the opposite um and it's there's like i was just reading just how like mo- monsters now currently are also like scientific um and like not that creative there's just like extensions of different creatures and mm-hmm. I, I think there's an element of that with this with like the echolocation and, and the way they look isn't necessarily that interesting i guess um but before i get more into the monsters i do want to talk about kind of the way their origins are integrated into the whole like movie and how well done i think that is i I think the idea of like this planet with these three suns and the constant uh, daylight and the way the visual style represents that with um and then the reveal of like that uh diagram that's spinning and like i think all that stuff is done really well and then like we talked about when it does go dark and when they actually come out of 
the dunes and they're all flying and, and, and that stuff. I, I really I really remembered that visual and I think it's a pretty iconic, interesting yeah kind of visual. So like, you know, this idea of this huge group of like flying monsters I think is interesting. And then a lot of times when you're actually seeing them one on one, it's they're not the most unique looking things but then there'll be like a shot where it's like the hand is coming down and some like spike is coming out of its hand and that's super interesting so it's kind of a weird (laughs) mixture of like bland boring with like these kind of moments of like really interesting well done cinematic stuff yeah i mean nowadays a lot of the creatures we get like an overwhelming amount of them are just like the cloverfield monster essentially like we were so I did appreciate that these ones were kind of xeno, like gray versions of xenomorphs that were kind of longer and bigger and like had like, you know, kind of different teeth. <laughs> they were pretty similar to a xenomorph, but um, yeah. Well, I, I Did you notice in the, in the credits, sorry to interrupt, no, but okay. in, at the end of the credits when it gives the like, no, no, no aliens were harmed in the making of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Does it say that? No, no um, similarities between actual living person between persons living or dead was intended. That kind of disclaimer. Yeah. It said no persons or predator was intended oh wow so i'm not sure what they were getting at there if they were if that disclaimer was saying like we understand that he wrote a draft of alien this is an alien (laughs) (laughs) or or what but they definitely made a point to include that yeah similarities weren't intended i think another good example of like it doing something interesting and actually making the right choice of like not explaining it is when they start attacking each other at the end the right. monsters i mean and it's like raining down on everyone i thought that was this part of me is like oh i want to know why they're doing that and i feel like a lot of movies now would actually explain it yeah that's true <laughs> um y- y'all have made some really good points and pushed me to i'm gonna give it an eight like i, w- I didn't know where i was gonna go with this origin that's why we that's why we let the guests go first so they can kind of convince us what it was i'm giving it an eight adam what do you think oh man i don't know i don't know sarah and sean's polarizing viewpoints here are tearing me apart yeah we don't even have a... we did not agree we did not come <laughs> up with an aggregate we will uh, in a second but... yeah yeah i think i think i was i was thinking of eight also because uh, i like the idea of riddick being the monster and then maybe a cherry on top is is the other monsters um but there, there was this is that one cool scene where they're about to kill the uh the anthropologist guy um, and he flashes his oh, flare so or whatever good. for so a second. Good. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, what I visually. mean by like the iconic kind of visuals every once in a while. Yeah, loved that. Um, so the, yeah. The thing about that part is they only got to that part because he crawled away for no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He freaked out. <laughs> that was a pretty bad. Yeah. Like, it's like <laughs> definitely on. an example of really? the filmmaker pulling the strings yeah. and just getting used yeah. to that. I remark. can almost buy somebody panicking to that degree, but. I can't quite get there. Reminds me of the uh, the lawyer in Jurassic Park bailing out of the car and then getting eaten on the toilet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only reference point we have on this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I need an aggregate score from you too. Eight. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's an eight. Okay. okay. So yeah, that's good because that means that Sarah gives it a ten and Sean gives it a six. So that is an eight. That makes sense. Uh, eight, eight, eight on that category. <laughs> this is where I drag Adam through the mud because this is his category. Uh, he thinks that what makes a good creature feature is dumb or silly human characters. So how dumb slash silly are the human characters in this movie? I mean, listen, there's some here. Yeah. Yes. Well, the, the dude we just discussed, mm-hmm. he's pretty... 
silly. I mean, you put yourself in his shoes here on this planet, and there's, I mean, like, I know, I know Adam for sure would have done that. <laughs> How dare you? Um, Adam, I mean, uh, what, what, this is your category. You you lead the way here. What are you thinking about the human characters in this movie? Or dumb slash silly. Uh, um, you know, Bugs Bunny stuff aside. <laughs> let's 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 go to those parts specifically when they are crossing the desert at night. We have first the kid drops something and he thinks, "Oh, I'll grab it," and I'll he takes off his. Myself. And yeah, that. which is uh, to get one. Yeah, okay. So there you go. There's that, and then also, I mean, that is the director pulling the strings for that whole scene. Um, and then uh, also you have the anthropologist who crawls away. Uh, then you have Riddick and uh, the main bad dude uh, like talking out in the open about betraying the people behind them. <laughs> yep. Don't get... look. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Like looking, it's gonna. <laughs> um, and then we have uh, I don't know, maybe some more examples, but I'd say overall. Um... But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go sort of middle of the road here. I'll give it. A, I'll give it a six. Uh, you know what? I'll give it a five. I, I think it's kind of right down the middle. There's some dumb decision making, and then there's some smart decision making. Most movies which, go right down the middle. Which one is ten the worst decisions? Ten, or, ten would be good for the score for the film, but it would mean the characters are very dumb and silly. Okay. <laughs> That's I feel like flaw. I would have gone the opposite way. I would have said ten is if you have smart characters. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's the, that, that's why I preface this by saying this is an Adam category. <laughs> Look, a good creature feature is is you screaming at the the screen, "Don't go in there." That's more of a that's more of like a, a haunted house movie. Anyways, we've gone we've we've done I think the, uh, I think this is our tenth film we've done in the creature feature series, and every episode I, I quarrel with this category. Uh, I'll give it a seven. I think there's a good amount of stupid going on here. All right. Yeah, I'd say there, there's there's some foolish some foolish choices, uh, and I would say um, more often than not, it's it to me it feels like the hand of the filmmaker yeah. getting mixed up with the character's decision making, which so, is I would say seven. Yeah. Nice. Okay, we could have gone seven 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 there, jackpot. But I gave it a five. Um, <laughs> Category number three, and this is a tough one because it's born out of, like, the idea of, like, Godzilla or Frankenstein, that type of creature feature. But how sympathetic are the monsters in this movie? Well, see, that's, that that speaks to my point, I think, my theory. Yeah, I think that Riddick is a very sympathetic monster. Oh, yeah, is and- he sympathetic? <laughs> yeah. He's the worst. He's the worst, but, like, you, you get to – you get his perspective. Okay. As a monster, you get the monster's perspective through through his eyes. So to speak. <laughs> and uh, he does have an arc, a quite quite a bit of an arc uh, toward, towards the end. I mean, at least uh, you know, start a you start a character super super bad, and then at the end they're just bad, and you're like, hey, that's a pretty big improvement, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um. So also we need to take into account that these creatures come out every twenty two years or whatever it is, and um, y- you know, uh, Adams heard this many times this argument, but uh. You know, uh, it's not their fault that they're hungry after 22 years uh, and that these people crash landed on their planet, you know, so there's some sympathy to be given there. Exactly. Adam, uh, how sympathetic are the monsters in this movie? Um, well, if it's the uh, the main monsters, uh, not sympathetic at all. Uh, yeah, you're right. They're, they're just animals, though. But yeah, um, we don't have to feel bad for them. Um, if they are Riddick, uh, 
I don't know how sympathetic he is exactly. Still not he's, very sympathetic. <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't really help anyone at all. And he's like, he's willing to just leave them all at the end there. He so, saves the kid, though. Yeah, he goes back and gets the kid. He does let a kid die as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was earlier before his arc was fully completed. Uh, so I think overall I'd probably give this a four. I'm giving it a three. I'm being even less kind than you are. <laughs> uh, five. <laughs> right right down the middle all right i like it we're all we're all in the same ballpark there it makes sense um okay this is another tough one again kind of born out of the godzilla type thing but how strong of a metaphor are the monsters in this movie so i guess we'll be talking about riddick and the creatures again but do we do we uh do we sense any metaphors here from david Tui? yeah it's a metaphor for nighttime <laughs> Yeah, there's not a lot of metaphors in this movie. I don't think it doesn't. It, it does. It doesn't strike me as a metaphor. You know, it's funny because like how sympathetic are the monster and how strong of a metaphor. If this movie were to be missing any two things, I think it would be. Um, uh, it has a mean streak, so there's not a lot of sympathy in the movie, and also it's not the it's not the deepest of movies. Although I, I, Sean was. You know, mentioning how well done the creatures, like some of the creature stuff is, you know, it's a creature feature. It is like he was even saying like, oh, the stuff I remember is like the creature stuff when I was younger. And I'm like, yeah, me too. And then when I'm watching it now, if you know, if you talk to me about Pitch Black in five years, I'll still just remember the creature stuff because that's the <laughs> stuff that I really liked in it. Uh, how strong of a metaphor are the monsters? So if we're just talking about Riddick, I mean, this is tough. I, I, I got a default to like a, a two here, Adam. Well, what is it? What is the metaphor at all? I there's got you know you know uh, you mentioned it's got it's got to be uh, uh, fight evil with evil. It's got to be it's gonna be uh, the fear of the dark. Is that it? Is that really the metaphor here? I mean, that's the theme, I, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, it's one of the more shallow movies we've watched for sure. Uh, but I'm not willing to give it a zero. I don't think we've given a zero to anything on this. I, I, so I don't know if there is a metaphor. I also don't know if there needs to be a metaphor. So I'm gonna give it a five. <laughs> <laughs> all right okay adam like adam you, you you said you weren't afraid to give it a zero yeah that's right yeah. <laughs> wow you're, you're one of the themes of this movie bravery <laughs> <laughs> i am kind of like riddick <laughs> yeah you are like riddick in that way uh so are y'all rolling with the five then sure sarah's in charge <laughs> all right <laughs> if, you want, if you want to give your own score and we can find the average i would say three so let's go with four four okay okay four um, are you two familiar with the N64 cabinet game Rampage? I am very, Vaguely. very aware. Okay, cool. Rampage. <laughs> that... Rampage is the one with the with the big like King Kong type character that yep. destroys big, big animals that climb up buildings and punch them and eat people and and, and stuff. Oh, was this the the rock movie? The rock movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> should have been a Vin Diesel movie. Uh, Adam. Uh. <laughs> Have, has every guest we've had on this uh, series so far known what Rampage is, the game? I pretty I think there might have been one early on who didn't. Um, that just shows like how popular that game was. <laughs> I loved that game. Yeah, it was really fun. Uh, so this category is Rampage points. How much damage do the monsters do in this movie? Again, we can count Riddick as well as the creatures. But again, this is he was bad. This is the messiness of. Yeah, this is a low score. Yeah. <laughs> Because um, I think you can argue that the actual creatures do do a lot of damage. A lot of damage. I mean, almost everyone dies. <laughs> yeah, and everyone who was there before died before they got there. Mm -hmm. And they they died in graphic ways, even though it's not as graphic as I remember. But you know, getting cut in half, getting your head 
spitting it in the mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I would say, though, for how many monsters there are in this movie, they, they, there's not that much. You know what I mean? You're right, though. You have a good point that, like, basically everything point. has already been... It's already been destroyed by the time they get there, you know. So it's like that. But uh, how do we feel about that, Adam? I mean, do we, can we count like can we count what they? Because we did for aliens, if you recall, we were talking about when they arrive at the colony, how screwed up the colony is. We we decided to count that as uh, damage points. Right, but that fits in with the chronology of the film because the movie starts before. Ah, that's true. Yeah, that's I, true. see, I'm gonna give this a two, easy, because uh, it's really <laughs> not much happening. They don't destroy too much, uh, besides Vin, Vin Diesel welding and uh, some deaths. I'm giving it double that. I'm giving it a four, uh, and we'll get to it, and then in the bonus category next about uh, how scary these creatures are. But they don't do that much damage. Like that's what that was. What I was really shocked about watching it. But um, also, this is their planet. Why would they want to continue to screw it up? Uh, all right, you two. What do we think? With a rampage point. Yeah, I mean, if you can, if, if I just like try to think of other monster movies and like the act of like, yeah, it's not like Godzilla destroying a whole whole city, city. Or, or Shin Godzilla winning. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, don't don't feel bad. We watch movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon on this series where it's like that Creature from the Black Lagoon doesn't do very much damage at all. It's like not, it it's not. Some people. Yeah, but if we were to watch like a Godzilla movie or something like that, it would be like, yeah, this is this creature is doing a ton of damage. Or like, for example, attack the block. They they basically destroy an entire block in London. So, uh, or, or uh, it, one that scored really high in this category is a uh, Little Shop of Horrors because we watched the 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 alternate ending where Audrey two basically like destroy that they're just basically destroying the earth. So, um, so some movies do really well. Ending. Or, yeah, I guess from that perspective, like the closest I get is kind of trying to take down that ship that Vin Diesel decides to wait to start, <laughs> so he can blow them up in the back. Oh yeah, and they're like headbutting, but but they don't succeed. Yeah, yeah. there's really no, I guess two, two, two. Okay. Thank also, you. did you mention did you mention that you haven't seen the uh, alternate ending of Little Shop of Horrors? I have not. Have you, sir? Nope. Y'all got... I haven't watched that movie in a long time. Oh, go on YouTube. The alternate ending is cr- it, it was to that point. It was the most expensive scene Warner Brothers had ever shot. Oh my goodness! And then it they cut it, out. it tested so poorly that they like were for- <laughs> like Frank Oz was forced to cut it out. Like cut it out. Oh, it was no. such a bummer. Yeah, um, but it's a it's a really kind of epic ending to such a you know something that's based off of obviously a play. Anyway, um, bonus category one through ten, and now we can get into the nitty gritty of this. How big slash scary are the monsters in this movie? Uh, I was, uh, I mean, there's some pretty good shots in there that make them scary. So yeah, not mm-hmm. too bad. Yeah, I, I mean, think they would be very scary to actually like live through. For yeah. sure, for sure. <laughs> Is it crazy of me to say that the movie doesn't really? The movie doesn't really, because, and I think this is why leaning to, okay, well, also we have to take into account Riddick here, but I, that's why I like um, Sarah's theory of Riddick being the monsters, because, like, these other monsters are, like, really scary looking, but they don't really do that much stuff, you know what I mean? Like, they're not, like, they, I, I think that the part where the, the, the one uh, person gets dragged away by the tail up the cliff at the end is pretty creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, how scary are they, though? When, 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 when they get face-to-face with them... They're, they're pretty scary. I'll, I'll give it a solid seven. I think they're, like, pretty scary, and they're also pretty big, too. You also, I think you should think about it from big perspective and just the, the sheer scale of how many there are. Yeah. Because yeah. um, that's pretty 
overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to actually, like, try to survive and, and live through. Well, it's like, on the one hand, all you need is some light. And they're not going to get close enough to you to hurt you if, if you're lit. But mm-hmm. they don't have access to very much light. Right. Yeah. So, like, the, the, the tension of that is, I think, where the fear comes from. It's the light running out. Right. I mean, that's the only reason they even stand even a little bit of a chance, right? It's because they have that one weakness of the light. Otherwise, yeah. this movie would be t- 25 minutes long. It would just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that is that is scary to me. So, like, the shot, that, that shot you mentioned of, of the person at the end being dragged up the cliff, yeah. that was scary. Yeah. Um, and I think the, that shot where he um, blows the fire is, like, iconically scary so so good i love it um yeah Yeah, i would give it an eight that iconic element of that shot makes it feel like less scary but actual if you like think about what's happening there when i first saw it i was definitely scared during that moment yeah i think also adding to that that uh the fact that they kill each other uh is kind of a scary thing right they're so bloodthirsty they'll just attack each other so i'll give it a five because they're they're pretty scary, but um, they're not the most scary. I you know I've seen you you yeah, wake up Trevor too early, and that's scary. All right, all right. <laughs> this I guess guy... it is easy to argue that like if if you if you know something is there at all times, it's a little less scary than like yeah the alien popping out of nowhere, an alien or or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, what what number did you say, sir? Did you say number? I said eight. Eight. I'll agree with eight. Eight. It's probably a little too high, but <laughs> no. Lower it if you want. But I, I, I think that you can call it a seven if you want to bring it down. I feel like it'd be pretty hard for me to like give a score much below seven for any like <laughs> monster movie if I try to be like what it would actually like to like live through this specific monster. <laughs> no, totally. Like if we were on a planet with these monsters, it would it would be scary. It's where my seven's yeah. coming from. So yeah, so I'll go, I'll agree with Sarah's eight. I'm good with that. All right, so it looks like you've given an aggregate score of 34 out of 50. How do you feel about that regarding Pitch Black? I feel bad about that. <laughs> well, okay, so one, one, thing, one thing that I will quibble with is, is the, the silly characters yeah. element. Um, hey, listen, this is not the perfect this is not the, this is not the perfect scale. That's why we call it an arbitrary scale. Sometimes movies don't fit. Like, this is a creature feature. It just doesn't fit into the scale all that well. It's okay. This podcast is based around the idea that film fans like um, ranking stuff and rating stuff and, like, like but, like... Most do. Yeah. Most do. But on Letterboxd, like, I don't, like, I don't rate things. I don't rank them. I, I just kind of, like, will just be like, I liked this movie or whatever. You know, I just use it to, like, see what movies I've watched, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam, you everything. you gave <laughs> you gave the film a twenty six out of fifty. How do you feel about that? <laughs> uh, you know, here here's the the spoiler. I did enjoy this movie. I liked watching. Oh wow! This late in the podcast, you finally let it go. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we did, and I'd totally be down to watch the other Riddicks and uh, yes. Trevor. You know, if we can make some money off it, let's play those video games. <laughs> yeah i'd be really down to watch riddick the 2013 one and maybe it'll make my list soon because i'm with you adam i did enjoy watching this movie once i got past like the visual palette of it i was like okay this is what this movie is 
this is what it's bringing to the table. Uh, and I think it, I think it really was creative in many ways. I gave it a 29 out of 50. So <laughs> no, no, not, not reflective of my overall thoughts on the movie, but that's just the score I gave it. So drum roll, please, Adam, that gives it a total of 89 on our overall Ooh. scale, which let's guess where it puts that in the 10 films we've discussed on the creature feature genre. I would say right at the bottom. It is, it is number 10. Oh, God. <laughs> so, oh, no. So, yeah, I do appreciate y'all not bringing on, like, some big iconic movie that might have, you know, fit the categories better or something. I thought that this was a very interesting watch. Uh, we didn't actually talk about my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, let's my do favorite it. favorite element. Please. Which is the kid. She was my favorite. She was my favorite as a kid. She's my favorite now. I think she's just the best. I don't know if I think it's really interesting um, how she fits in like gender wise like is she trans or not mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that is a question today that wouldn't have been a question then mm -hmm. and and I just find that like a really fascinating element that I think contributes to the diversity of the cast that we were discussing before I think that is an element of gender diversity in this film that I really appreciate. So I just want to throw that out here. Well, it looks like it might not win Best Picture at our awards show at the end of the series. <laughs> oh, what a shame. But it, you do get a chance to give away your own awards. So, oh, for example, I have the Trevor Dillon Award for Chonkiest Monster, and that Adam has the Adam Cervantes Wagner Award for Tastiest Treat. Um, let's give each of you an award, uh, and we'll, we'll name it after you. Uh, again, it doesn't have to be kind of for pitch black it doesn't even have to be for creature features it can be for anything so sean we'll start with you uh we're going to be giving away the sean temple award for what i i i like i know what it is i just don't know exactly how to, how to phrase, phrase it. it um and it's definitely not that this should win it but it's definitely pitch black inspired um kind of like the a, a moment of physicality that like made me cringe or feel uncomfortable the most but that's not specifically a horror moment hmm. um so we already talked about the the shot in the eye but even more than that when when riddick like undoes like pops his shoulder out of his socket and then pops it back in to get out of the, <laughs> out of that, the restraints the restraints like moments like that just as much as like someone getting slaughtered you... by a creature is like it, the the those two moments when we squirm way more than any like horror moment in the movie. So, so do you describe how, 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 how does it sound? The Sean Temple Award for non-horror, cringy, physical moments. Yes, it's, that's exactly. <laughs> By the way, Vin Diesel could basically do that stunt with the um, with the dislocating his shoulders like that. They had to add very little CGI to that, apparently. Oh yeah, that sounds, that sounds familiar. I wonder mm -hmm. where I... Maybe it was like a DVD special feature or something. Because <laughs> yeah. that sounds very familiar and it, it yeah it looks real when it happens <laughs> but by, by the way this movie could not have been fun to film right like in the uh, oh actually no I, I i read they shot it in the desert but it was like 50 degrees the whole time so maybe it actually was uh, kind of nice time of year yeah, yeah. too cold <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. all right and we're going to be giving away the sarah wisner award for what or queer representation. Very <laughs> good. Very Excellent. good. We've gone through 10 episodes of this and no one has gone there. <laughs> yeah, too bad um, we didn't do the Babadook. The best kind of horror. Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> Gay pride. Awesome. Those are two awesome awards, and unfortunately, if Pitch Black wins any awards, you do have to leave me a voicemail. Uh, not a voicemail, but a voice memo on my phone accepting the awards. So <laughs> we're going to be giving you uh, more homework coming up. So, okay. uh, But speaking of which, thank you so much for coming on the show. You two are a delight. Oh, yeah, thank, thank you for you. having us. Thank this you so much. A lot of fun. Uh, is there anything that you want to plug? Is there anywhere currently that people can watch Water Horse or Thorns? Um, Water Horse is currently um, on Amuleto on YouTube. So if you search Water Horse and Amuleto, it should pop up. You can also find Water Horse on my Vimeo. Um, so if you search for me on Vimeo, Sean Temple, Sean, S-E-A-N, I uh, should be able to find it relatively easily. We also have homebodypictures.com. You it was can on find there a lot too. of our links there. And Thorns is still on the festival circuit, so not online okay. yet. But, you know, find me on Twitter and DM me, and I'll probably send you a link if you really want to see it. You can yep. find the trailer on our website, so if it interests you. It is also as a queer or slasher film. So Very nice. And what's that Twitter handle? Um, Sean underscore Temple. Okay, cool. Uh, are, are either of you on Letterboxd? I am. I don't know if I really... Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in that weird place where it's like, should I be... I should probably stop, like, rating things if I want yes, to like, continue. Yes, yes, yes. It's like a filmmaker. So, okay, yeah, I, I get you. Yeah, that's exactly why I'm on Twitter, like, never saying, like, oh, this movie sucks. You know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I have this podcast, but we keep it positive on this podcast. It's Adam over here who also is a filmmaker who who does all the negative stuff, studios. When the, and they'll, the, they'll respect I'm me for it, like... darn it. <laughs> slowly like like i i took my photo off my letterbox eventually i'm gonna take the name the last yeah. name off of it and it's like <laughs> yeah mine's like a picture of my dog and my name is captain dills which starts my plugs uh letterbox <laughs> at captain dills personal at trevor dills and, and as always on instagram and twitter follow us at ghost party picks um adam do you have anything you want to plug yeah i just uh recently invested in a skateboard so i'll be skating pretty soon <laughs> um but also if you want to check out the stuff that i make it's uh adamjcwagner.com and that's it uh sean sarah thank you so much for being on the show and uh calling in from the future and bringing this very fun movie for us to talk about uh adam any parting words for our guests thank you guys so much this was fun a great pick as well and uh we look forward to having you guys on again when we do you didn't say your favorite genre specifically so you know whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll have you back on another time uh also everybody please watch water horse it's fantastic and then when thorns eventually drops please watch that one thank you all for listening to ghost party radio adam we have officially riddick the chronicles <laughs> nope bye bye mm, that's a 10